All right, pray with me. Uh, God, I thank you for today. Um, I thank you that we're here on this trip, Lord. I thank you uh, for the blessing that it is to be here and to be with um, all these people, Lord. I pray that you would bless this time, um, that you would speak to us through your word and through your spirit, God, that you would speak through the guys on stage, um, that this would be coming from your spirit and not from us, um, and you just give us wisdom in that. Uh, we pray that you would bless this time, Lord, and we pray that your will would be done. Um, we love you, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. All right, so for this seminar, we were kind of thinking um, it'll be a little more like kind of relaxed, just like conversational style. Um, but we wanted to talk about some of the things that we think just guys struggle with in general, and um, especially in high school, uh, some of the things we struggled with and um, what we went through and just kind of like what it looks like to walk through those struggles and like how God spoke into those struggles for us. Um, and so there were really four issues that we wanted to kind of zero in on and talk about. So it was going to be fear of man, um, earning God's love and approval through our performance, uh, isolation, and then um, ignoring and doubting God. So we're going to kind of look at those and just like see how they play out in Scripture and what we've seen in Scripture, um, how we've seen those things in Scripture, and then how we've seen those things play out in our own lives. Um, so kind of jumping right in with uh, fear of man, what do y'all, like, what is fear, man, to begin with, like, um, in y'all's opinion or in what y'all see in Scripture? Like, how would y'all define fear of man, first off? I would say it's putting the approval of others or the opinion of others over the opinion of God. So, the opinion of others having a higher place in your estimation than God's view of you. Do y'all have anything to add to that? Yeah, that's really good. Um, so in light of that, thinking back on kind of y'all's high school experiences and kind of where these guys are at right now, do y'all remember, like, what your experience was with, um, you know, being fearful of man in high school, what that looked like for y'all personally? Um, I think for having the opportunity of being a grace um, that the Lord um, – Saved my life at a younger age. It was like right before middle school, and so there was a lot of, um, a lot more of my life um, that I was able to walk with the Lord. Um, and what that looks like is in high school. It's like, dang, like what does it look like to truly walk with and follow the Lord um, in that for myself? But even more importantly, like what does it look like to share the gospel and to, to disciple others around me? Um, and just know and can remember fear of man playing a huge part in that, as I know that it can and does for a lot of men in this room who would say that they're believers um, and believe that that treasure is the most important thing that they know, and it's changed their lives. Um, but that fear of what someone else is going to do or say to you when you try and share that truth and that gospel with them, like, terrifies you, and it, and it paralyzes you. It has paralyzed me before, um, but I think the the truth to remember, um, just from scripture, is like, hey, like if they're rejecting the Jesus that you're bringing to them, like that, they're not rejecting you. They don't, they don't, they don't see and they don't understand clearly. Um, and it's a work of the Lord. It's a work of the Holy Spirit for them to come and understand um, that truth. So just with that, with that in mind, knowing that lie, but then also knowing the truth behind that, is, I think is how we can combat just fear man in that way from 
living out your walk and choosing and desiring to share the gospel with other people. Um, I would say I never really knew, I wouldn't have thought of this as the fear of man when I was in high school, Um, but I professed Christ at a young age, and I didn't really understand all that that entails. I don't think any of us do if we accept him at a young age, Um, but I didn't really, I thought I was good. I thought I professed Christ, I was saved, and that was kind of the end of it. And I didn't really worry or think about what God thought of me um, after that, which is incredibly important. But when I got into school, I um, constantly sought the approval of my classmates, my teachers, um, and even my parents beforehand. Um, Everything I did revolved around their approval of me, um, their affirmation of me, and truly their, their worship. Like I wanted them to worship what I had accomplished um, and who I was. And if I didn't have that constant affirmation, I felt like something was wrong. Um, and it's just, it was a terrible way to live. I didn't think about it like that in the time, at that time, because I succeeded a lot. I succeeded in grades, I succeeded in sports. Um, and it felt really awesome a lot of the time. Um, but I didn't know that I was fearing the judgment of others. Um, so, yeah, I lived my life by the fear of men. Yeah, okay. Um, fear of man for me in high school looked, um, it did sometimes look like being afraid of sharing my faith whenever an opportunity came up because I just didn't know how to do that. It seemed like, we talked about this at Cabin Time last night, like there's so much to Christianity. It could be like, where do you start and how do you share it with somebody? And so I just felt like unequipped and um, fearful of even starting a conversation like that. Or even if there's an opportunity like stepping into it because I thought I would fail. The, the second way, though, that fear of man probably was ruling my life in high school, definitely, and, and like, the majority has happened a ton, is there was, like, a constant, um, there was a constant voice in my head, and I believe it was the Holy Spirit saying, um, God was telling me, hey, you're called to live uh, holy. You're called to walk in the footsteps of Christ as a Christian. But my friends, who, by the way, I went to a private Christian school, and I, I, my, these friends were just grooms when I wedding. They're faithful Christian guys, but throughout high school, there was a constant um, sexual, violent, or just out-of-pocket joking going on. That was the way that we had fun, is just through really unholy words constantly. And I knew I needed to not participate in it, or better yet even, like call us to something higher, but I was terrified that I would lose my friends or I would be the fun killer if I spoke up. And in hindsight, to be honest, there was like, uh, it, it genuinely seemed impossible to speak up or do anything about it. Like it wasn't just that I, I didn't feel like I had the courage to, it was like there was no desire in me beyond just the recognition that I was also walking in the wrong there. Um, and so now looking back on it, what I wish I had heard earlier is that the Lord is not calling me to summon up the strength to do it. He was calling me to come to him as a, as a broken and needy sinner and believe in the sufficiency of the perfect life 
and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. And when that happens, that uh, I can say from my own life and from scripture, like that melts a heart and that doesn't just like fix a, fix a scenario, that changes a person to become the kind of person who walks in less fear of man and more fear of the Lord, which is a eternal, holy, and also like a peaceful fear, like a respect uh, and a love. So I would say if, if that's, if anything I just said resonates with you, you're like, yeah, that's, that's my community experience is a lot of, um, a lot of inappropriate joking and I know I need to step up in that area or um, I'm not able to share my faith even though there might be opportunities. I would just encourage you, remember John chapter 15, apart from me, Christ says, you can do nothing. Don't try to summon up your own strength. Go to him, ask for forgiveness and ask for help and he's faithful. He will do it. It may take longer than you want. It may come in unexpected ways, uh, but he is faithful and he will do it. I can, I can testify to that. Yeah, that's really good. Um, so just to kind of, I don't know, paint a picture of hope, so to speak, with that. So those were your kind of high school experiences with that. How have y'all seen God grow you in this area since high school? And even like as he continues to grow you now and just um, trusting in like what God see, says of you and not fearing what man says of you? Like how have y'all grown in that since then? Um have the mic, so I guess I'll, I'll start. Um, I think with a lot of things, um, it's just knowing the lie, being able to identify the lie in your life, um, in, in any area, and then knowing and finding and understanding the truth and repeating that to yourself. Um, so if the lie is, I'm afraid of doing X, Y, and Z because of, of what someone else is going to say or think about me. The lie is there, man, what that person says or thinks about me is more important than what God says or thinks about me. Now, you might say, I don't believe that. I don't think that's true. But, like, your actions are showing that to be true because you're not walking in whatever obedience that the Lord is asking you to walk in that moment in time because you are afraid. And that's, and that's understandable, but stepping back, like, man, what, what is the truth that the Lord would have me walk in, and how do I remember that and continuously repeat that to myself and to my heart? And you have to do it constantly. Why? Because we live in a world full of darkness. We live in a world where all day long we're being berated by lies. And so how much more important is it to constantly know and be reminded of truth and how to walk in that when all you're hearing every day is lies from the things we see on TV um, to the things we listen to, to other people around you that, that don't know the truth for themselves, you're constantly being berated. So in that, it's like, all right, what's, what's more important? What God says of me as his child, as his son, who he sees as holy and who he sees as righteous, um, who he has set apart for his good works, who he's given his son for, like, that, that has to be the most important thing, and that truth has to be the most important truth, and that your understanding of the gospel, and that is the most important thing, like, that you can understand, because that's going to dictate every aspect of your life. So, like, even now, it's just remembering that when I'm fearful to, to do something because of what someone else might say to me that I know that I should do, um, is what is the truth? What is a lie that I'm afraid of? How do I combat that with the truth? Um, and let the Lord do that work in my heart.
Um, I would say the thing that gives me hope, like Aiden said, is Scripture, constantly going back to the Word of God and seeing His work in my life, how He's grown my desire for His Word, and ultimately my desire for Him. That gives me hope for the future, because I'm still um, afraid often of sharing Christ with other people, um, whether that's explicitly or implicitly in conversation, but I always go back to Romans 1.16, which says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And I just meditate on that, and I say, okay, do I actually believe this, that it's the very power of God for salvation to everyone? Um, so I'm still afraid often to talk about God to, you know, um, end unhealthy conversations with my friends, um, but I have to constantly go back to the truth um, because it enables me to encounter Christ. And if I'm truly captivated by the person and work of Christ, then I will not be able to contain that, period, bottom line. I might be able to fight against it for a bit, but if I'm captivated by Christ, then it's going to overflow. So I think ultimately he is my hope because I know that he's going to transform me and has transformed me. Uh, as far as like for hope for the situation, I can, um, two things. First thing is, um, so a month ago, a friend of mine from college I was in a small group with, he, I hadn't heard from him for like a couple months. Like we just kind of had lost touch even though we were both living in Dallas. And then a word got to me through a mutual friend. They were like, hey, you remember his girlfriend, Katie? I was like, yeah, like really, I'd met Katie once, really like Katie. Uh, he was like, he and Katie uh, just moved in together. And I was like, that doesn't sound like my friend. Um, but it was true. So I, I hit him up. I, I texted, I was like, hey man, do you want to grab um, lunch? And he said, yeah, I, uh, at the time I was um, dating my now wife. And he was like, hey, do you want to do a double date? And I, and I knew that I needed to talk to him about what he was probably doing. Because if, if people moved in together, they're probably having sex consistently together. And sex is for marriage within Christianity. And so um, it should be for all people. But that's what the Lord calls us to whenever our eyes are open and we understand um, the truth of life in Christ. And so I was like, I need to talk to him about this. So I just texted him back and said, hey, I, I would love to do a double date. For this first one, though, I just kind of want to catch up on life together and see, like, how you're doing. And also, like, share what I'm going through with you can we do one-on-one -on -one for this one? He said, yeah. So we went and grabbed lunch together. And basically after like just a lot of like fun and hanging out and catching up and whatever, I just asked him, I was like, hey, I, I heard that you moved in with Katie. And I was like, I don't know like all the details about it. I was just wondering like, is that true? And if so, like what's up with that? And he said, no, I, I have. And he was like so honest and uh, honestly apologetic. He was like, I know what I'm doing is wrong. And uh, but I've done it, and he's like, and no one has called me on it, to be honest. And it's kind of a relief to have somebody call me on it. Um, and that's not me hyping myself up. Like, that was, I, I felt like pressure, like a healthy pressure from the Lord of, like, you need to be, a, like, you, you love this guy? Like, do this because you love him and you care about him. And so we had a, we had a really good conversation that basically ended with um, being in, encouraging him and him, like, responding in a very positive way of saying, like, we don't know what the road forward looks like in terms of timeline, but like, I got to get out of this situation is what he was saying. And I'm going to take steps to do that. So now my job as his friend is to walk with him consistently, checking in and helping him to like take those steps. Now, that being said, that's one example of a type of bravery or, or boldness I did not have in high school. But um, 
there are so many more examples day to day I could give you where I should be speaking up like that in people's lives and I'm not. Um, or people should be calling me on my crap and they're not. And, uh, and so the, the primary hope, the one true hope is, again, it's Jesus. It's knowing that he, I love it, talks about in 1 Corinthians, it says he chose the things that are weak and foolish, even things that are not in this world. Like he, Jesus intentionally chose to be his people, the people who were morally the least impressive. You can see that through the narratives of the Bible and in that verse in 1 Corinthians, he chose the weakest people so that his mercy, his grace, his love, which is free and perfect, would be all the more shown so clearly to the rest of the world so that they would come to and so that he would be glorified. So that's, that's the hope that I have for me and for y'all as well. That's great. Yeah. Um, and so moving on to kind of our second point um, or second topic we we're going to talk about, it's earning God's love and approval through our performance. Um, I know having gone to Highland Park and grown up in this community, like that's a huge thing, just like the pressure to perform, the pressure to be essentially perfect. Um, you feel it really, really heavily in this community. Um, and so kind of, what was that like with y'all's high school experience? Like, did y'all feel that pressure? Kind of what did it look like? Or yeah, what, did the, what was that for y'all? Um, kind of going back to the the fear of man, I think I realized, you know, or I have realized over the past five to ten years, maybe that m- me fearing the opinions of others was me seeking um, approval. Um, it was um, what was the second part of the question? It's performance and. Uh, Earning God's approval through your performance. Right. So was me seeking God's approval, um, and I didn't feel like I had that. Um, and so it caused me to perform in all these different capacities. It caused me to seek perfection in grades. It caused me to um, seek perfection in uh, social status, having the coolest group of friends, the funnest group of friends, um, and being the coolest person in that group. Um, and all of that was because I felt like I needed to be validated, like I needed um, value from those things. And all of that, um, me seeking value and all of those things was because I didn't feel like I had value before God. Like I thought that he didn't love me unconditionally and I needed to be worth something. I needed to do something um, in order to be loved. So... I think that's what it looked like. Sports, again, going back to sports, grades, um, and social situations, friends. Um, yeah, I felt like I needed a source value in those things because I didn't realize that I was already valued and esteemed because what Christ did on my behalf and who I was in him. I think... Um yeah, we can feel that pressure, but I think something I never asked myself in high school was kind of like, where did that pressure come from? Um, like, was it just from me? Was it from outside forces or was it from something else? Like, where do y'all think that kind of came from in your high school experience? Like, when y'all were feeling that pressure, where do y'all think it kind of like, yeah, started from? 
I think it came from I think it came from comparison. Um, just watching other people succeed. It's innate for us to compare ourselves to other people. It's either get a leg up or kind of wallow in self-pity and think, okay, well, I'm not as good as this person in XYZ category, um, so I'm pitying myself and I'm not worthy of X, Y, and Z. Or you flip that around and it's, oh, I'm better than this person in these areas. Um, and so I feel better about myself. I think it's just um, a natural byproduct of living in a broken world in community with other people. Um, we're constantly tempted to, and I was always, to look at my friends um, and to compare ourselves to others instead of looking to Christ. Um, yeah. Um, and I think also just myself and ourselves um, in efforts to, you know, have some sense of control of the love and acceptance and affirmation that you receive. Because, um, I mean, in your mind, if two plus two equals four, then great. And I think I, it's easy, it was easy for me to be hard on myself and those pressures come more for myself because I know in my mind what the perceived outcome is. Like, oh, if I do this, if I make good grades, if I do what I'm supposed to do, if I'm great at this, if I'm a good person, all these different things, and you know, that equals love and acceptance and you know, being cared for. Um, and sometimes that's true, but that doesn't mean that that should be the source because that, that is where it's exhausting and you can't do it. Yeah, for sure. Definitely feel that, just like exhausting. Just feel like you're at the end of your rope. In that, in those, those strivings, y'all ever feel like you were able to f earn what you were cer like what you were looking for, like get that approval that you were looking for, or at least fully? <laughs> not fully. Yeah, I uh, mean, talk more about that. Not, maybe. not fully, um, because why? You always want, want more. And you're, you're looking for things in things and, and in places that are never meant to satisfy you um, and that are not eternal. Um, like Will said, like we're looking for things in, in broken cisterns, things that are supposed to, to hold and carry water, um, but they're broken. So it, it is not able to carry those things and continue to sustain you. And it's not unlimited. Uh, when we're created to worship, find our joy, our peace, our being in an unlimited God. Um, but we're searching for, for those things in very finite and, and limited people and circumstances in a very broken world. So, yeah, you get it for a bit, but guess what? You want more. Um, you want to continue to feel loved. You want to continue to feel accepted and, and feel like you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and and being loved, but when you search for that any place outside of God, like, of course, it, it's not going to be enough because the created things were never meant to, to fulfill us. What time does the switch happen, by the way, seminar to seminar? Uh, 11. 11. Oh, we got 35 minutes still? So we'll probably finish at like 
55. Oh, perfect. Okay, cool. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, the reason I'm asking is there's a category. When you listed out the ones we're going to go through, there, I, at the end, whenever we hit like 50, um, I may like raise my hand and ask you because this one, honestly, I, I, I kind of was like a march to the beat of your own drum type. Like I like just being different than people, so I didn't relate as much to the pressure. But there's another thing that we might not get to that I want to make sure to talk about. So okay. I might ask at 10:50 to talk more. So okay. I'll like, I'll like pass this. Okay. Um, sweet. Uh, last thing, kind of on on this topic. Um, now that y'all are walking with Christ and y'all. Um, have at least more so taken hold of the fact that God loves y'all unconditionally and you have his full approval in Christ. What does that kind of change look like now? Um, yeah, having kind of taken more hold of that versus back when you didn't believe that or understand that. Yeah. Um, I think it goes back kind of to the formula before, like what's the lie and what's the truth? Um, how do I identify the lie? The lie is I need to do, I need to work, I need to succeed, I need to perform to receive love, affection, care, all of the above, um, these good and perfect gifts that are that are to come from the Lord, but they're coming, I'm looking for them in things and people that are not God. Um, and so that's just a never-ending struggle. And it is, and it should seem hopeless. Why? Because you're constantly striving. Um, but there it seems like there's a hope for you to continue to receive these things because you keep going. You keep going back to the same things. That's a lot. But the truth is, if you're a believer, you there is just no work for you to do in Christ to be loved and to be cared for and to be accepted. Why? Because it's a free gift that was given to you. Um, I think another thing is just always knowing where you're at, understanding where you're at and, and how you think about who God is and what he truly thinks about you. Like if you, if you think about it right now, in your current state, what do you think the Lord th thinks about you? Do you think he's pleased? Do you think he's kind of like, uh, could be doing better? Do you think he's, oh, that kid, like, way off base? Should be doing a lot better. Um, but the hope is for the believer and also to the non-believer, because there's hope in Christ for all who believe, um, is that when you put your hope and faith and trust in Jesus Christ um, and his free gift to you for salvation, there's just no more work for you to do. Why? Because God sees you as he sees Christ. Um, 2 Corinthians 5.21, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we may become the righteousness of God in him. The great exchange, um, Christ took our sin from us. It, but in return, we get to have his righteousness. What does that mean? When God looks at us, he sees Christ. So constantly, I'm like, I can, I can go home at the, the end of the night and, and think through my day and be like, man, I should have done this. I should have done that. I should have prayed for this person. I should have done this thing. I didn't read my Bible. I should have been memorized my scripture like I was supposed to. And the list can go on and on and on and on and on and on. Why? Because everything in me, in my nature, thinks that I have to perform 
for God. And that's the extent of my relationship for him in my salvation is to work to continue to be better for him. And that's just not the case. My faith produces those works, but my works do not produce my faith. So at the end of the night, when I think through that and I know that that's turning into a cycle of, of me striving, the truth that I can rest on is like, hey, the Lord's like, rest easy, dude. Like, I love you. If you, because of, of my faith in him and my faith in Christ and me believing that that work is done when he said it was finished, if I never did another thing for Christ, if I never did another thing for the Lord, like, my soul is still secure. You do not have to do a single thing for your salvation. Why? Because he sees you as he sees Christ. But because we love him, we, we want to do his works. We want to do the things he's called us to do. Um, but there's just so much hope and peace in the fact that, like, you, you get to work from a place of joy and get to work from a place of rest because that work was already finished in Christ, and God is pleased with you. He's not disappointed in you. You're a, you're a believer. You sin. You mess up constantly over and over and over again, but you're repentant, and you're confessing. The Lord is not disappointed in you. Like, he's not angry with you. Like, he sees you as he sees Christ. He wants better for you. Why? Because that is the life he's called you to, and he, know he knows who he's created you to be. But there, there's just no no working for his love. We, we are in his love and get to work from that place. Yeah, that's great. The uh, passage that I thought of was Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast for we are his workmanship, creating Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And I think now in my life, um, it's completely different because the foundation of Christ has already been laid. I heard about grace growing up um, over and over and over again, but I never truly understood it. I kind of accepted it and then retroactively tried to earn my salvation and standing before God. But Hebrews talked about, uh, talks about Jesus after he made purification for sins, after he made you right with God, he sat down at the right hand of the Father because his work was done. So now I still um, struggle with my value being found in those things. Um, performing, but I just pay attention to, okay, am I anxious? Am I stressed? Okay, why is that the case? And like Aiden said, I go back to the lie. I'm not resting in God's truth and what he's done on my behalf. Um, so what is the truth? And I go back to scripture um, and remind myself of that um, through his word. So I think it's completely different because of the foundation that Christ has laid. Something you both just talked about. It made me think of a story someone told me once. So do this. Uh, close your eyes. And if you had to pick one emoji for God, whenever he looks at you, like one of the emoji faces, tell me which one you believe that, is, that, is, that represents his face whenever he looks at you right now.
The reason I asked that question is um, I had a, you open your eyes if you want. Uh, uh, a good friend had their older brother asking that question and they said they were like a college athlete uh like high performer and they said but because of that they they'd come to view god as a coach not as a loving father and so the 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 emoji was like the one that has like the slight curve downward smile like a kind of disappointed you could like like maybe like hopefully you can do better like i'm hanging with you but you're not there and the older brother of this friend was like no 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 like Whenever God looks at you, if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, it's like they were talking about. It's like it's like having like a like those glasses that have like a, a tint or a hue on them. The the tint is the perfection of Jesus, and God looks through that and sees you, you individually. Like he doesn't like forget you as a unique person, but he sees Christ's righteousness as the tint that he can only see you through. And it's the it's a we don't have an emoji for it. It's the most delight, it's perfect love. It's perfect joy. It's perfect satisfaction. It's it's eternal love. Um, so that's and that's that's good news. That's good news for me, and that's good news for all of us in this room. So I'm glad y'all y'all brought those things up. Nice. Um, so okay, our next well, the third topic we're going to talk about um, isolation. I know that's something I struggle with a lot, and that's something I think a lot of guys struggle with of just. Um, somewhat of a, a fear of just revealing your full self um, for fear of rejection for a lot of us, I know for me. Um, so on that, on that uh, subject, what were some things in high school that caused y'all to isolate? Um, and then what did it look like for you to isolate in those, in those times? I think the two primary things that caused me to isolate um, were the topics we just talked about. Um, comparison, like you said, Mikey, and seeking the approval of others or thinking you have to earn God's love is exhausting. And when you are constantly surrounded by that in high school, um, it forces you to isolate because you just kind of give up. You don't want to have to deal with it. And I was always around people uh, whether that be in sports and class, uh, hanging out with friends after school. And so it kind of split me into this double life um, where I isolated from my parents and from teachers and from authority figures uh, in one sense. And then I was with my friends and um, felt lesser than or felt superior to, depending on the situation and I just felt different. Um, and so even when I was with my friends, um, I felt a sense of isolation, even though I wasn't physically isolated. Um, but sin, um, and you know, whether that be pornography, partying, um, that caused me to isolate from people who had um, wisdom and authority and who truly loved me uh, because I thought that they wouldn't accept me for who I was, and I also didn't want to have to give up um, drinking or pornography, so I didn't bring that to them, and that had a, a massive negative impact on my life because I couldn't experience um, what being known and accepted um, was like, so that's kind of what it looked like for me. 
I would say uh, fear, shame, just lack of trust. Um, fear for if if I choose to be authentic and, and vulnerable with other guys around me, um, fear of what they would say or think or, or or how they would treat you or, you know, if you continue to be friends with them or, or X, Y, and Z, shame for the things that you've done um, that you don't want to, to share, bring to the light. I mean, just a lack of, of trust, like thinking that nobody's going to have my back more than than I'm gonna have my back, um, and nobody's gonna care for me the way that that I care for me, um, and so putting my trust in myself to take care of of that fear and shame. Oh, fear and shame. See ya, because I'm not you know I'm not gonna bring that to anybody else. So why put myself in that situation? And all of those are lies. Is the exact opposite. Thing happens when, when you walk in the light. So um, for me, the thing that would keep me in isolation was, I, again, I'm going to a private Christian school and being maybe in a different environment than some of y'all were in. But then others of y'all probably like totally vibe with me on this. I was in an environment where I was afraid to be honest about my like doubts and shortcomings, like as a Christian. So it wasn't so much like isolation of like I'm worried about like being like representing my faith or being true to who Christ is calling me to be because the world will like reject me. It was more like I during like I would be afraid to tell my friends after we just had like a really solid like Bible study together or like we would have like a conference at my school for me to like be honest and say I'm not really sure that the that all the Bible is actually written by God. Like I'm I'm not confident of that. Well, some days I'm not even sure God's real, guys. Like, but I was I would be terrified to say that out loud to be honest. And it kept me quiet because I was worried that that would, like, get me kicked out of the group, so to speak. Um, and so that's why, number one, I'll say this. I think that um, based on my experience, if you're honest about those things with Christian brothers who you can look at and say, like, that's a person who, like, is, like, the love of Jesus is, like, definitely alive in that person. I think your friends will surprise you and how, like, honest and how much they'll actually be like, yeah, I go through that, too. I have those doubts. I have those fears. I have those, like, sometimes even, like shames around a lack of faith like I think you'll you'll be surprised at how welcoming and accepting they'll be second thing is that's why I'm so thankful for the way that PCPC is set up in terms of with our youth ministry like we got people like us up here and then the rest of your leaders who are in your cabins like the reason why it's important to have older figures in there is like you know you can come to any of us and you can be honest about that kind of stuff. You can say, like, hey, I'm going to be honest. Like, I, I, I do see that I'm a Christian. Like, I have enough faith to say I'm a Christian. But I got, like, big questions. And I don't see easy answers for those big questions. And we're not going to reject you. And we're not going to say that you don't belong on this trip. And we're not going to say that you don't belong in the family of God. Because uh, we've been there. I can, I'm pretty confident that every leader in here would raise their hand if I asked them if you've been there. And so just know that the, there's, there's safe places um, and safe people by that is what I mean, uh, to go and, and to bring those things to. And there's a real freedom in saying, Hey, I'm, I'm fully known and in being fully known. Like I'm not, uh, rejected as other. I'm welcomed still as a son of God. I'm just, I'm just stumbling on my way. Like we all are, you know, it's two steps forward and one step back. And sometimes things take time to understand. And I still got questions I'm working through. So yeah, this is a safe place. Yeah. And so, um, you're talking, you're talking about like people, um, just being a safe place to go and opening up to them kind of help bring you out of isolation. 
uh, for y'all? Like, what did that look like? Or like, what kind of brought y'all out of those times of isolations? Or even now, if y'all feel yourself isolating, like, what brings you out of those times? How does God draw you away from isolation? Um, I can start there. Um, I think, <laughs> I feel like, I don't know, there's a, a number of of thoughts or answers there. Um, but I don't know, you just get, you get tired of, of walking in darkness, especially if you're a believer, um, cause we're not meant to walk in that way. You're not meant to walk, um, hiding your sin. You're not meant to walk, uh, where nobody knows you truly, um, and deeply. Um, why? Because we are a family. We are a body in Christ. Um, we're not individual bodies. Like that's not the picture that scripture gives us. Like we are, we are one body, um, in Christ. Um, and I think it was, it was, it goes back to that same formula. What is the lie? Like what is the truth? I remember when I was just being taught that way of thinking that I began to understand like, bruh, I've been, like Will said the other night, like getting robbed, dude, just like from fear and isolation and shame and just all those things just eat you alive. Scripture talks about like, hey, if you, if you stay in darkness and you keep these things from the light, like your body is literally, your bones are literally wasting away. Um, and that's what it's like. And you're just absolutely getting robbed. And of all hope and, and life and joy. Um, and I remember understanding the truth and the benefit of walking in the light and being taught that. Um, being taught that, but then actually acting those things out. And praying for the Lord to give you community. And praying for the Lord to give you people to walk with um, that are faithful and that care for you and care about you. Um, and that's so important, dude. That's so huge. Um, and I've seen that be true in my life. Like even with guys in this room, like Pete and Noah sitting back there, like they're like brothers to me at this point. Um, and they've walked me through life. They know me well. Um, they've walked through me, practically carried me through some of the lowest and, and hardest situations and see me in very tough points in life. Uh, and there's just no way to, to walk through that alone um, when the Lord has a plan and a, a system in place and that is to care for other people and walk with each other and carry one another's burdens. Um, and you, you just, you gotta trust. Like the, you gotta trust in, in the Lord's design and his plan and that is to walk in the light and that takes some, some courage, and that takes some, some trust in, in other people, most importantly, trust in the Lord. And if you take that step and you take that, like, the Lord is not going to fail you. The Lord doesn't take L's. Like, it, he just doesn't. And so there's anything that you need to bring to him and take to him, like, trust and believe, like, W, every time. And so, like, that's a huge place to, to, to test that out. Lord, I want community. I want to walk in the light. Like, I want to be faithful. He's going to answer that, and you, and you can bet on that. I would say the same thing for me. It's completely community. Um, 
community, Christ-centered community, um, came in the form of summer camps and kind of uh, short-term friend groups. For me in high school, it was really difficult, Um, but I really didn't find that until my junior year of college, and I was actually able to see what um, Christ-centered community looked like, and uh, that brought me out of isolation, not just physical isolation, uh, but isolation from the church, from the family of God. Um, I think that's what really matters. And then over time, um, I began to see that it was the love of God poured out through those people in my life. So ultimately, it wasn't, it wasn't them, but it was him loving me. Um, and so now, in a more direct way, the love of God brings me out of isolation um, if I've had an exhausting week, if I'm isolated, if I'm not um, spending time with friends um, or Christ-centered community, uh, I feel the conviction of the Spirit, Him calling me back into that. Um, and I confess and I repent um, because I know He's better and I return to that. So He kind of, over the course of time, used friends, Christ-centered community to draw me out of isolation uh, but now he does that in a more direct way through his word and by me pray, praying to him. Yeah, that's really good. There's something really awesome about like the freedom that comes with living in just being like known, not living in isolation. It's, it's awesome. Um, and so this is going into like our last topic we'll talk about, um, ignoring and or doubting God in your walk um, or before your walk even. Uh, yeah, did y'all, do y'all feel like y'all ignored completely or even just doubted God in some ways in high school? Or what did that look like if you did? Uh, yes, I did. <laughs> um, ignored and doubted God. Yeah, I, I, I definitely doubted. I, d- I remember asking my dad one time when I was like, a, I think I was a junior. I said, hey, do you still doubt that God exists, like that he's real? Because I, I, it would, like, I would think I was through, then like four months later I'd get hit again with like, is this, am I crazy? Like, is this all, we just all like agreeing on something that's not real? And, uh, and he said, he hadn't, we were driving and uh, he, goes, he goes, you know, I, he goes, it's been years since I've doubted that God exists. He goes, I still sometimes doubt that he is who he like says he is in his word like sometimes his love and his compassion or like his justice and that'll set everything right in the world one day he's like i'll doubt that stuff but he goes at this point it's like with anything else in life like it just you accumulate experience and little things over time one brick at a time builds this like whole city of trust and this firm foundation um and so uh, he just basically told me like you're just in the process of that and um and and I can I can now say like a little bit away from high school. It's been a while since I've doubted like the existence of God, but that rings true as far as I will sometimes doubt uh, who He is, and that's why the the thing that like has to happen. This goes back also to ignoring God. Like if you're like there's like something in your life, you're like I know that like God wants to like speak into this and do something in this area of my life, but I'm like afraid of what He's going to take from me or what He's going to change. So you just like stiff arm Him and just avoid Him. Um, y- y'all, we 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 it's so simple we gotta go to church Sunday morning go to church 
get in community, like get consistently under the word because sin thrives in darkness. Uh, John chapter three talks about like people won't come to the light because their works are evil and they know if they come to the light, then they're going to be like, oh my gosh, my, it, it's shining on my works. I'm going to really see myself for who I am and I don't want to see who I really am. And what is the first thing that God ever, in the Bible he says, the first word that he speaks, let there be light. When God speaks, when we read his word, when we hear his word preached, that's light shining on the darkness of wherever we're at. And then in another place in Hebrews, it says the word is like a surgical scalpel. It said it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And the, the language there is like, it's like a surgery tool. So it's like shining light on darkness. And then it says, okay, now that we've got you under the light, we see where something's off. And there's only one tool that can cut in and get that thing out. So we, you, Sunday mornings, you got to get under the preaching of the word. You gotta, they're, they're, and PCPC is a welcome and open door. There's other wonderful churches throughout the city um, and wherever you're at. I've been to other states. I've been to other countries. I've never found myself yet in a place where I haven't been able, praying beforehand before I arrived, I've, I've been able to find somewhere where the Bible isn't being preached. Uh, you got to get under it week after week. And just that one, that one, even if it's one moment in a week, that check-in of having the light shown and then like the surgery tool applied um, over time, it will change you one brick at a time until you are a totally different city, so to speak. Yeah, and when when Ross says that, like, I think hearing that, I have a tendency to hear, like, oh, I need to go to church on Sunday because that's what a good Christian does. The truth of the truth of that is we need to go to church on Sunday to be filled up, to meet with God, so we can experience the joy, the hope, the encouragement he means for us. It's not meant to be a task. It's meant to be life-giving, um, and just joyful for our souls. I think um, just kind of when y'all when y'all look back on times where y'all might have ignored or doubted God, what were like the the short term and the long term kind of outcomes of that, and then also how God redeemed those situations. Um, I think, not I think, I know as a believer, uh, we have our life and our being through Christ. Apart from Christ, you're spiritually dead. In Christ, you are raised to life, and it is not you that is living. It is Christ that is living through you. Um, and he is our source of life. Um, we get our, our life and our being through him, and we must be connected to him. He's the vine, and we are the branches. Like We cannot do anything apart from him. So in the times that, that I'm ignoring God, I'm doubting him, I'm not choosing to um, sit under teaching, I'm not choosing to be in my word, I'm not choosing to subscribe to the things of the Lord, um, w- what am I doing but, but starving my inner man and myself. Um, and you can feel it. You, you can feel yourself wasting away spiritually. Um, and that's just not a fun place to be. Um, and you you know what you should do about it, but you're like, I, do, I don't want to. Like, I, I can't bring myself to do it. Like, I, I'm too tired or I'm too this or I'm too that. Um, that's quite literally where our life is found, is in him. And so the times that you're, you're spending 
running away and and doubting and ignoring and and not putting him in a place where he should be in life uh, we're only doing ourselves a disservice like you're you're only hurting yourself um and God is just only waiting for you to to come back to him I don't think I ever really doubted God's existence um just because I had heard about him so much. But I do think I tried to doubt his existence because I had a distorted perspective of his character, of who he was. I saw him only as a judge, and I was constantly confronted by my sin and all the ways I fell short. And because I had a, a sense of felt judgment from him, I was like, God, oh, that, that can't be how God actually is. Maybe, maybe he doesn't exist. Or, you know, maybe I can ignore him. So I think ignoring God has been a much larger theme in my development as a Christian. Um, and if you don't have experience, truly, God working in your life and the Holy Spirit's work in you is what gives you the assurance of God's love um, and who he is. And if you don't have that story in your own life, or, you know, y'all are probably 14 to 18, um, then uh, you have the word of God. And I, I didn't actually dig into the scriptures, and I didn't understand that the Bible was one cohesive narrative from beginning to end that speaks of the character of God um, and shows that he is faithful throughout thousands of people's lives. Um, and as soon as I saw scripture as a story, and I would love to talk to you guys if you, like, have any arguments against um, why the Bible isn't true, or uh, if you just don't have confidence in it, if you have doubts about the veracity of Scripture, the truth of Scripture, I'd love to talk to you about it, because that's kind of the foundation. But once you see that it is one story, um, and you see that it speaks of the character of God, that gives you a ton of confidence. And as soon as I saw that, I was able to see that God was truly loving, that he was truly faithful, in spite of my own faithlessness, uh, because I saw that every day, um, but I saw that he was faithful to people who were faithless. Um, and so I think that reassured me of his character, uh, and I began to ignore him less and less because I began to trust him more and more. Um, but I, yeah, doubts are serious. We all deal with them. Um, you go through phases of doubt. Short term, it's really disorienting, um, and you have a lack of security, obviously, and who God sees you uh, to be, but long-term, and people say this all the time, and you might not think it's true, but uh, it really does deepen your faith and deepen your trust in Him, and I've seen that to be true in my own life. 100%. So, uh, we're almost out of time. Ross, did you want to, what you were going to talk about earlier that you brought up? Okay, okay, cool. Okay, well, that's pretty much all we have Guys, if y'all want to talk about any of this with us, like, come find one of us, talk to us about it. We, we would love to talk to y'all about it. Um, find your leader, too. I know they would love to talk to y'all about it. I'm going to pray us out real quick, and then we're going to go to devotionals. Um, God, I thank you for today. I thank you for this time. Um, I thank you for the wisdom that you spoke through these guys up here. I thank you for their willingness to um, get up here and be so honest and vulnerable um, and share about their lives and their struggles, God. And um, about the, your faithfulness in their lives.
I pray that you would just um, fix our eyes on you, Jesus, that we would see more and more how much you love us and all that you've done for us, um, and that we are never rejected by you. Jesus, you were rejected by God so that we never would be, and that we can come to you with um, everything, and you will accept us and love us and draw us closer to you. Um, we praise you for that. We love you. It's your name I pray. Amen.